Welcome to Islamic Life Coach School Podcast. Apply tools that you learn in this podcast and your life will be unrecognizably successful. Now your host, Dr. Kamal Asthar. Hello, hello, hello everyone. Peace and blessings be upon all of you. I've been doing this podcast long enough now that it requires some review of the concepts that I've already explained before. So I've previously done a podcast on mental health, but recently I came across some few new concepts that I've integrated into my practice, so I want to share them with you to give you the most benefit. So in essence, this podcast is Mental Health (laughs) 2.0, or Exceptional Mental Health. We always talk about mental health in terms of mental illness, and there is a rise in mental illness diagnoses during the pandemic. I believe most medical models are based on illness, and I can demonstrate that based on one question. When I ask people if they think they're mentally healthy, and the answer they give is usually in terms of mental illness. Most will say, since I don't have a mental illness, I must be mentally healthy. And that, to me, is a very low standard. And I have mentioned this before, that the lowest of the low standard of mental health is a lack of mental illness. This is most commonly and generally accepted societal standard of mental health. So the next level, which is slightly better, of the definition of mental health is a person's condition with regard to their psychological and emotional well-being. Okay, so this is a little better. It has words like emotion and well-being in it. (laughs) So it is a level up from the previous definition. But I'm going to take it to even a higher level in just a minute. First, let's talk about why mental illness diagnoses are so prevalent in our society. And I'm going to say that that is because as soon as a human being starts to experience an emotion that is uncomfortable for them, first of all, they self-label as anxiety, depression, and then they get approval of the diagnosis from their doctor, from their friends, from the media, and they seek a pill to fix the issue. A very good example of this is recently I had a patient who got admitted to the hospital because of chest pain. We appropriately did all the cardiac workup, and when it came back negative, I followed up with her in her hospital bed to tell her the good news. She was obviously relieved to hear that the stress test and the cardiac enzymes and the other workup was negative, but she went on to reveal to me that she was suffering from anxiety and that she needed me to give her a pill to fix it. I asked her some more details, and the questioning revealed that she was anxious because she couldn't travel to see her first grandchild being born. Earlier on in the pandemic, the risk of flying and catching the coronavirus was much higher. So in this case, the patient's son and his wife had struggled with infertility, and after many IVF cycles, they were able to conceive, and the patient had always imagined being there for her son and her daughter-in-law, especially because they were told that this was a high-risk pregnancy. So imagine me being at the bedside of this patient, And after telling her that coronary disease has been ruled out as a reason of her symptoms, and she's telling me that clearly her symptoms are because of anxiety, because every time she thinks about not being able to see her grandchild, she feels very anxious. So she rightfully came to the hospital for her symptom of chest pain, which was appropriately worked up for coronary disease. Because let's face it, in females, the presentation of coronary disease can be atypical. (laughs) But this is not a medical podcast, so we're going to keep this contained to our example. So while she came to the hospital appropriately, and we ruled out coronary disease, the most appropriate diagnosis turned out to be anxiety, which is a diagnosis of exclusion to begin with. But again, it was something that she was self-diagnosing. The diagnosis itself of generalized anxiety is not something that I agreed with. 
she might have been feeling the emotion of anxiety, which was different. So she was appropriately feeling an emotion of anxiety because her lifelong dream of becoming a grandmother was happening somewhere in a distant state, but she could not be there for her son. So what was wrong with feeling anxious in this situation? Nothing. There's nothing wrong with that emotion. That's the right feeling. In this example, it's clear, and in many other cases, that we as a medical community and as a society in general, label a negative emotion as a disorder, and we want a quick fix pill to immediately numb out of the state because we are uncomfortable with feeling that emotion. In reality, life is about a range of all emotions. Creating a mental illness diagnosis out of an appropriate human emotion is injustice to being human. Simply and purely human. So going back to my second definition of mental health that defined it as psychological emotional well-being, that still has an undertone of an expectation of well-being 100% of the time, but that's unrealistic. The human condition calls for negative emotions, like we saw in this case, which is appropriate. But according to this definition where mental health means psychological and emotional well-being, it would mean that the time that the humans are feeling a negative emotion, you do not have mental health. But again, that is wrong. Just because you're struggling with an emotion does not mean you do not have mental health. As human beings, this definition obviously induces some resistance because we don't want to identify having a mental illness just because we don't have well-being. But what if we said that well-being includes the whole spectrum of emotions? So that would mean the best news is, in this case, that human emotions that create negative sensations in your body do not mean you have a mental illness. In other words, you can be experiencing a negative emotion and also be in a state of well-being. How cool is that? So negative human emotion does not mean mental illness. That is music to my ears. That's such good news. If you're feeling any resistance to this definition, it's possible you're still in a space where you think your circumstance causes your feelings. Like in the example of this woman, she thought she was anxious because of the pandemic. So she was trying desperately to gain some control over the situation, asking for a quick fix pill. So in this particular situation, I did something that's probably never been done before in the history of hospital medicine. <laughs> I coached her right in her hospital bed. <laughs> I helped her see that her thoughts about not being able to see her family were causing her anxiety, not the pandemic. And soon after, like a light bulb turned on for her, she had that facial expression when a human comes to that moment of enlightenment, <laughs> like she had been trying to solve a great mystery all her life and all of a sudden she knew the answer. <laughs> By the way, that face in my clients is just so rewarding for me. I get such a dopamine hit from it. <laughs> when I see someone having an aha moment, that is extremely fulfilling. And that's why I do this work. Okay, so I digress. But that patient came to the moment of clarity and all of a sudden she was not interested in any anxiety pills. Since she realized that her thought was causing her anxiety, she immediately switched it to asking what can I do to see my family instead. And this thought switch was so quick that if I wasn't trained as a coach, I would have never noticed the change. And the next word that came out of her mouth were, I think I'm going to drive to see my family. And I was like, excuse me, what do you mean? And she said that I'm afraid of flying in the pandemic, causing me anxiety, then I'll just drive to see them. And just like that, her brain gave her a solution. 
I wouldn't have thought of that solution because I'm not in her brain, I'm not in her situation. But when she came out of the cloud of thought errors that there was a mental illness and that there was something wrong with her, she actually had authority over her brain. And in that moment of clarity, her brain did the rest of the job of providing her the answers. I see this type of case scenario play out over and over again in my patients, in my clients, and in my personal relationships. So at this point, I'll offer you a third definition of mental health, which is less glamorous, (laughs) but is the most useful. Mental health is having a spectrum of human emotions and knowing that you have control over them. And since at Islamic Life Coach School, just mediocre mental health is not good enough, we strive for exceptional mental health. And that comes from self-coaching. The formula and the model I teach you guys will help you create superior mental health and a life of your design. A medical professional most likely has never asked you to work on your mental health. They might have asked you to work on your physical health, which is to watch your diet and exercise, and all of those are very important. But what they've never taught you is how to maintain mental health. And that is because, unfortunately, a medical professional has never been taught how to do that themselves. How can they impart that wisdom on their patients? That is why burnout rates among medical professionals are one of the highest compared to any other profession. Medical professionals are in the business of giving. They are natural empaths. Without ever actively engaging in their mental well-being, they give, 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 and burn out. Medical professionals and all other human beings need mental hygiene just like they need to go to the gym. Nobody, and let me emphasize, nobody is taught this knowledge in traditional schooling on how to maintain mental health. It becomes a special tragedy when this education is not provided to medical professionals. They are taught mental illness instead. This pathology-based model of mental health only serves a fraction of the population that is actually suffering from mental illness, but it does not serve the majority of the population. And that's because disease is not the norm. It is present, but it is not universal. Most human beings on the planet are not suffering from an illness that's debilitating to them. So the illness model to mental health is extremely limiting because it doesn't apply to the majority of the population. And the well-being model of mental health is also limiting because human beings are not in a state of well-being 100% of the time. They experience struggle half of their lives, and that experience gives an illusion of anything but well-being. My definition of exceptional mental health is a managed mind. This is a skill that can be learned. When humans accept the natural order, understanding that they create everything from their thinking, and their thinking is under their control, it gives them a sense of agency, which is of prime importance. Choosing thoughts of higher brain or the lower brain origin will create results accordingly. This sense of agency leads to managed mind, which is exceptional mental health, regardless of the emotional state you are in which can be an appropriately negative emotional state, depending on what the situation calls for. So imagine a staircase going from one level to the next, and summing it all up, we went from mental health being the lack of mental illness, which is the lowest level. The next higher level is mental health is an emotional and psychological well-being, which is slightly better. And the third highest level of mental health is being open to the full spectrum of human experience, 
from negative to positive with an understanding that with mind management any emotion can be created. The highest level of mental health is practicing the skill of agency over your thoughts. It is a skill that is learned over time, just like driving or ice skating. You are horrible at it in the beginning, but with practice it gets better. None of this means that you won't be angry or anxious or sad sometimes. It just means that when you are all those things, you're not going to think that there's something wrong with you. You will have the insight that you're creating those emotions from your thoughts, and exceptional mental health is about being able to tell the difference when it is appropriate and inappropriate to create these emotions. So going with this definition of exceptional mental health, we come to learn that it is available to the majority of the people on the planet, even for the people with a diagnosis of mental illness that are on treatment. I pray for the best of mental health for all of you. I pray that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives us insights into our own mind so we can tell when we are creating an emotion appropriately and when we are in error. I pray to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that our nafs and shaitan's whispers do not lead us astray in this path of skilling up to our next best level of mental health. And since it is a skill, I have provided you a guidebook to practice this which is available for you to download at www.islamiclifecoachschool.com. This guidebook is available for you to start your daily mental hygiene today. It provides definitions so you can start gaining insight in your thoughts immediately. Put your effort in, do your work through this workbook, and inshallah you will see the results. I pray to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for all of our success in this world and the next. With that, I will talk to you guys next time. Hey, are you thinking about coaching? I invite you to a complimentary consultation with me where I can help you define the solution to your problem, regardless if you choose to work with me in the Empowered Muslim Women program or not. So you really have nothing to lose. Access the appointment link through the show notes and inshallah, I will see you there.